When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On 882 6BR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. WA's family-owned funeral directors. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. My guest in this episode uh, is a leader of reconciliation. Uh, in simple terms, his mission is to connect people and to heal people through the magic of stories. And if you've ever seen one of his uh, Welcome to Countries uh, you will certainly have, uh, have have remembered the experience. And as I've just learned as well, a very keen and handy golfer as well. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Sean Nanup. Hello, Sean. Hi, how you going? It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Tim. I, I was surprised by the golf, I must say. Oh, well, I, yeah. I did I, I didn't peg you as a... As a mad keen golfer. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a way back, but uh, certainly uh, was a very big part of my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly broad introduction I've given you there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're an, you're, you're an Indigenous leader. Uh, you do a lot of welcome to country. Uh, you talk a lot about culture. You talk a lot about the stories uh, at, that are part of your culture, uh, but also about uh, this transgenerational healing uh, as well, it's it's a hard thing to kind of sum up and condense into a few words, isn't it? So when Absolutely. people ask you, mm-hmm. Sean, what do you do? Yes. <laughs> how, do, you, how, do you, how do you answer right. that? Well, when well, I gather um, all through my journey, um, it was a, it was an opportunity to, to connect to energy, and when we have the energy right within ourselves, and the energy around is becomes so transparent, whether it be positive or negative. So to answer the question. Um, there's there's four elements of, of connecting to, to to self, and that is your physical presence, and then you have your mental, your understanding to give balance or, or sense of um, learning there. Then we go into the heart space, uh, and then once we get to the heart, we are able to go to our soul, which is our spiritual um, connection. And when we get to the soul, there is there's real, it's very hard not to speak from the soul on every level. Uh, it, it has its language there uh, so we can talk about the present we can talk about the mental issues or the balancing or the, and articulate those things in the best way we can but then uh, when we talk from the heart people generally lean in or they'll step back because as you know when we talk about love sometimes love isn't always so present in in people's worlds uh, and uh, then if we do speak of the beautiful world of uh, spirituality or a soul centeredness uh, then Really, everything is just aligned, and everything is an opportunity to to have a voice on all levels uh, where there is no separation. A- am I right in, in, in thinking, though, and this is probably a gross generalisation, but a lot of people these days, you don't hear a lot of speaking from the heart or from the soul. 
in, in general conversation. There's a, they, there's a facade, there's uh, a projection of, of what they think they should be putting out there to the world. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it is, is, for want of a better word, pretty fake. Uh, yeah, and and let, let's get it. Let's let's do our best to make sure that you know the people that are out there doing a lot of talking and and mental thoughts. They do a lot of um, you know articulating from a university degree, uh, and as you know, when you're talking from a, a more a learning from the left hand side of the brain, where everything is about if I've got the evidence or if I've got the uh, if I'm taught through um, words, then th- th- that can be limited. Mm. Because we're, we're, there's so much more about being able to translate or connect to anything around us. So information's good, mm. uh, but there, there's a lot more to follow once you're able to gain a sense of understanding about what it is in front of us. So a lot of people would like do a lot of um, PowerPoint presentations, which mm. we know can be uh, a little bit dragged out in some areas. And same as storytelling and, and told any sort of level. But uh, I think we, we understand and we know um, the issues that we face. Uh, now we've got to absorb it in a way that becomes part of our everyday life. And um, once we are able to absorb it in everyday life, then we know that we're going to project a sense of value to that information. It's not just a verbal process. So f- when when did the, the, the power of the story become apparent to you? Well, well <laughs> once again, there was many moments through my life that um, subconsciously I wasn't able to some sort of connection. Uh, consciously, I knew there was some things that were not quite lining up. But I think the moment when everything lit up for me was the day I was driving out to York with my uncle in the car. And I felt so lost in myself because of this uh, way that I believed that I was becoming connected to the environment that I lived in. How old were you at this point? Uh, I would have been about 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. And um, that moment, um, actually maybe a little bit later, I think, or maybe 26, yeah, about there, um, I, was, I, was, I was searching for something that was internally not balanced. And I knew there was uh, a many a moment in my life where I was making decisions and I was doing my best to uh, understand how and why things were. So I was educated in some areas, but uh, there was this deeper um, learning that was yet to come. Mm. And um, I had to spend many a day uh, soul searching. And when I drove with my uncle out onto country and spent many a times uh, listening to his stories, listening to all the aunties and uncles that we connected with as we journeyed. And, um, you know, I, I believe Rosalind Snyder, who's my business partner and um, friend and, and, and so on, uh, through uh, the work we do now, we, um, we basically knew uh, that these the healing had to be there in order for the wisdom of this great culture, this great connection externally needed to then could take its place inside me in a way that's healthy. Um, so going through the process with, with Rosalind supported the connection with my uncle and, and all aunties and then the, the land became one of my greatest teachers and the, and the universe, to be honest with you. So uh, so the, about five, four or five years of going on this searching journey led to this moment that we were talking about. And I was driving out to York with my uncle, and about 15 k's out, there's, a, there's trees that are called salmon gum trees. They're, they're beautiful pink trees. Mm. And as we transcend into that place, my uncle would generally say to me, nephew, can you see it? You know, And I'm, I, I just didn't see it. I, 
I was looking That's all he'd say. No other clues. No, no clues at all. Just can you see it? Can you see it? Yeah. And and this is where, you know, for a good three to four years, my uncle would take me on country and just yeah. sit me down and say, are you learning anything? And I'm thinking, well, I thought you were teaching <laughs> me, uncle. Give me some clues. <laughs> Give me some clues. I'm here. Uh, so it was a bit frustrating at the start because I just wasn't too sure about how these questions were, were playing out in my brain and I was thinking my way through it. Yeah. And that's really, unfortunately, a small part of the process. So once I got to acknowledging this beautiful tree. So can I say, yeah, you found the answer? The answer came. Yeah. yeah. But it, it took literally three or four years. Yeah, and beyond. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I... I I was always on a journey of discovery. And, and what was the answer? The answer was that um, when you when you soften your mind and allow yourself to just exist in a space where everything flows, then the beauty beauty of this country and the beauty of the people and the beauty of your story just naturally appears. And I went, oh, my goodness. I see it, Uncle. The Sammy Dean tree. Wow. My uncle, I remember the time he, the breath came out of his mouth and he looked across at me and he had tears in his eyes and he says, yes, my son. And I went, yes. And I, I can still remember that moment like it was yesterday. The first time you, you seem to have this moment where everything just makes sense. Mm. And you go, ah. Whew. And then once I was able to obtain that, first sense of connection to the Samangam tree, it naturally links us into all the stories and all the things that have been present as I travelled. Mm. And I went, oh my goodness, Uncle, I remember now, you know, you're sitting me on that rock. I remember sitting on that one and then you drove to another one, which was the granite rock. Then you drove me to another place and you told me to sit on this rock and that was the uh, um, uh, limestone. And then you told me to sit on the sands. It was yellow sand and it was grey sand. I was like, oh, yeah. And I remember putting my hand on them and feeling them and yeah. I was building a relationship. What am I supposed to be experiencing here? And you were yeah. saying every time, what did you learn? Oh, I'd say to you, I don't remember, but I do. I was remembering and I was learning, Uncle. He says, don't underestimate yourself, son. Yeah. You're learning every moment of your life. Mm. Allow yourself to be in the present, which then allows you now to soften your thoughts of all your teachings, and allow yourself, your heart and your soul, your spirit to flow. And now that your, your great teacher, your, your, your mother Buddha, the land we come from, and the beautiful night sky and the beautiful sun and all those beautiful things are present in your life, my job becomes so much easier. Mm. Well, that, it, it sounds like your, your epiphany, your moment of enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, um, a pretty magical moment and a turning point for mm-hmm. you. Um, up until that point, I mean, were you um, were you confused? Were you angry? Oh yes, yeah. Confusion, anger set in as the as the world that I was sort of expanding and growing in. Yeah, was, was teaching me that I was different. Yeah, and I, I had this Aboriginality or this separation from the world that I was growing into. You know. Um, I started to see how people and feel how people would automatically um, label me and, 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 and put this energy onto me. And I was thinking, what? I haven't done anything. I don't think I did, said anything or, or walked differently or, or I was wearing the right clothes. You know, getting ready to go 
to Mount Lawley the golfing days, or, or when I was, you know, going into Balgarwin and Gondola, uh, in the communities, or wherever I went, I was very conscious about making sure that... That you were different. But, but that I you were making to, effort to fit in, but... To fit in, but I was still... made aware that you were different. I was still made aware that I was different, no mm. matter how well I, I was able to give myself a sense of understanding of the mm. environment I was in, I... I still felt I let people. I was letting people down. Yep. We need to take a break. Indigenous uh, leader uh, and mentor Sean Nanup is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories brought to you by Baron O'Day. Back with more very soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are with Indigenous leader and mentor and sharer of stories, Sean Nanup. Sean, uh, let's go back to your, your childhood. You just shared this uh, this uh, adventure you had with your uncle, which seemed to take <laughs> quite a long time, but you got there. Um, he achieved his mission. You had your moment of enlightenment or whatever you want to call it. Um, but let's go back to the early days of, of Sean Nanup, Three Springs, yeah. is where you grew up. Yes. What was what was life like in Three Springs? I, I dare say many of our listeners would never have been there. Yeah, so yeah. if they did. What, what sort of a place is it? It's a it's a small um, town. It's got talc, talc mining there. So we had a we had the farming and we've got the talc mine. So mm. pretty well known for, a, I think it's the second biggest one in the world. So it's quite a big um, talc mine. Mm. And, um, you know, we've got a few members and family members and community that worked on, on the mine there. But uh, obviously shearing and, um, you know, the, the general farming life was, was well and truly mm. a part of Three Springs. Um, yep. And so growing up there, um, I, I, w- I was very blessed. I, I had a lot of people who, um, you know, I call dear friends today. Uh, when, when you're in a small country town, when you, you, at my age at that time, um, I was pretty lucky. I had two older brothers and an older sister. Um, so a lot of the racial issues and a lot of the issues that were faced for our community was dealt with in a, in with my older brothers. So my my generation growing up at the time. Can I? Ask, how did they? How did they deal with it? As you oh, put it? a lot of fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I was. Yeah. yeah. Just curious to know. Was it you know through reasoning and and, and rationing or well, rationalising rather, or or, f- or did yeah. it get physical? It got. Oh, absolutely. It got yeah. Physical. And um, and when I when I was um, I remember walking. When I was walking down the street with my uh, my dad, and my dad would say to me, you know, um, uh, a lot of things that I, I hold, hold dear today. But uh, one day I was walking down the street, and a four-wheel drive went past, and um, out came the hand, and it was like a, a, a pistol, and it went nigger nigger, pull the trigger. And I looked at my dad, and I could feel straight away that that wasn't really nice. That wasn't good. Mm. And my dad, um, I turned to my dad, and I said, Dad, what does that mean? And what, why did he do that? What does that mean? And my dad looked at me and he said to me, son, they have a problem, not us. Let's mm. keep walking. And I was like, well, why, why can't you just tell me why that was what was said and why was it you know, mm. something that I felt not so nice? Because mm. uh, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here, dad. Mm. Uh, so I just sort of um, got home to my brothers and I said to my brother, Wayne, and I said, Wayne, Someone drove past. Oh, it's, I said the name. I can't remember who it is today. Um, it said, nigger, nigger, pull the trigger. And he said, who? When? I said, we were just walking down the street. And he 
jump on his bike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorting this out. out <laughs> and he got to the, the place and he, he fought the, the, the son and then he, he, he fought the father, you know. And um, when the police rocked back up with him and uh, they, he said, look, you're going to have to do, sort your son out, you know. And mm. my brother's, you know, crying and upset and angry. And, and I just said to him, you've got anger problems, man. Why are you going to go and fight everyone all the time? Chris, mm. you know? And he just said to me, you don't understand. You may never understand, you know. I have to take care of this, this, you know. And I said, what are you taking care of? What are you doing? And I was confused. And I, I actually felt really silly, stupid. Mm. Um, and I thought, why can't I just get this and understand this? Because they wanted to shelter me and, and look after me as, they, as loved ones do. So I, I was, yeah, I knew there was a major issue, um, but I wasn't always so privy as a young person growing up there. But I can tell you, in my my year, uh, like I say, yes, yes, I was not asked to go to some birthdays. In a small country town, when you're not asked to go, you sort of go, Dad, Mum, why, yeah. why am I not allowed to go? Because we're so good friends. But certain members of the community didn't like, uh, my mum and dad or us. Yeah. And that's their story. Mm. Um, but it, they, I, I can say that their sons and their daughters were very dear friends and I love them with all my heart. And I think it shows that when you get through these times that sometimes hate or sadness or, or confusion or whatever it may be in that time mm. um, doesn't always win. So. As, you, as you got older, did you start to um, understand why your brothers jumped on their Absolutely. bike and... Absolutely. And drove down there and wanted to sort it out and seek some sort of retribution. Absolutely. And and, and did you ever uh, feel like you were perhaps going to follow that path too? Oh yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in my roles, I I justified a lot of things that had no mm. no um a no place in life. You know. How did how did you feel? You know, if you did lay a punch on someone who who'd abused you or hurt you in that way? Yeah, it was it, it was quite a um a, a quick turn. Of, uh, as soon as someone had uh, uh, tried to verbally attack me yeah. or physically attack me, um, I defended myself in the best way I could. My, my One of my greatest teachers was Glenn Miller from the um, uh, police department. He was he would teach the, the, the elite, uh, the, the tactical response group. Um, as I spoke to the... <laughs> Pretty the, good teacher. That he, was, he, he was a phen- phenomenal teacher in every way, in every sense. Uh, I could tell you now... Um, you know, whoever spent time with Glenn Miller could actually turn and say, wow, what a great life I've lived, mm. you know, being around people like him. Mm. And if he was here today, he's passed on now, you know, I, uh, and I, I think he knows this, but end of the day, um, he was a, he's a great gift. Mm. And um, when he, he, he learned from his father, who is a, an iron palm fighter, and he was supposed to go over to New Zealand to fight a big fight and it was cancelled for whatever reason. And, and as he was journeying through, they flew here to Perth and they were supposed to go to New Zealand. And uh, he, he fell in love with the place, his dad, and he said, you know what, son, we're going to stay here. Mm. And um, that's when Iron Palm, mixed martial arts basically, mm. um, really started off. Yep. And um, my best friend from Three Springs, um, Michael Johnson, uh, is it okay for me to say that? Yeah. Of course. Um, he uh, he said, if I'm coming down, because his older brother, uh, Mark, was, was one of the head police officers in Perth. And he said, if I'm coming down, then Sean's going to come with me. Yeah. And, uh, which was nice of him to say that. So me, yeah. and, me and Mike would go down there to East Perth and train and learn all these types of martial arts. And um, So you're still living in Three Springs at this point? No, we've no, moved we, down with yeah, 15. Okay. Yeah. So you, at the age of about 15, yeah. uh, is, I'm presuming this is because that you couldn't complete your schooling in Three uh, Springs or did... Did well, you have to come to Perth to, to finish 
all yeah. the way through year twelve. No, my 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 dad was flying in and out. He he was flying. He's a FIFO basically. Yeah. Um, he'd fly to Perth and drive to Three Springs and. Yeah. Uh, it, that that type of um, driving and work, he, he was very tired and he had yeah. a couple of accidents. And right. we thought, being that I was getting to an age now uh, where schooling, you know, a high school was going to mm. be hopefully, you know, a college or something like that was going to mm. be my future. So mum and dad said it's time for us to go down and, and mm. expand a little bit. Yep. Um, but I, I guess the first teachings of, of this sort of knowing who we are but we're not too sure what that is came out when I was um, – I was about maybe eight or seven. Yeah, uh, this young man had committed suicide in America, and when when someone commits suicide in the world, you'd think you know now today it's like oh, there's so many, you know. Mm. But this time was on the news. Mm. A young man, he was eighteen. He left school, high school, and he committed suicide, and it was on the news everywhere. Um, so, what happened was uh, he was picked last at school mm. for everything, and he felt invisible. And when he left school, he even felt more invisible. And um, he said in his letter that he didn't want to live. And I said to my dad, I said, how could someone commit suicide, Dad? Why? There's so much great things to live for. And he said, son, this is the story. And I remember standing in front of the TV and I remember standing looking up at him. And I went, that's very sad, Dad. I don't like that. Mm. It hit me. And it really felt it. So when I went to school, um, we were at the, um, the uh, we were playing badminton and Myself and, and, and Shane Kenworthy, good brother, um, we were the, usually the ones picking the teams. So I started picking all the kids who had a note that we couldn't um, play sport or, you mm. know, or weren't the greatest. Uh, so I started picking all them people and um, they were shocked. Like, well, why you pick me, Sean? Mm. Oh, man, I've got a note. You know? <laughs> and I said, well, I just want you to know that I, I see you, man. Mm. I want you to know you're important. And so I just... I just naturally went into the flow of that. And we got hammered, but uh, I remember the girl turning to me and saying, Sean, I'm not going to hit this shuttlecock back over. I refuse to play. And I said, that's okay. Don't. <laughs> as long as you're here, I'm just glad that you're out here getting involved, you know. And if it does come to you, just hit it. Oh, I'm not, it's not going to go over, the, over. I'm not going to be able to get it over the net. And I said, I don't care. Just smash it. Yeah. So she did it, and when she hit it, it got stuck in the roof. <laughs> and she said, see, John, that's why I don't play. And, and I said, it's okay. We've got plenty more. And she goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. And I said, don't be. Yeah. I'm just glad that you're present Yeah. and um, you're part of this. And um, so every time I went near her, she just smashed it. And she was so excited and so happy. And that energy, it laid a foundation in me Yeah. that I went, wow, you know, what a beautiful thing. This is what I have to do. That's what I was born to do. Mm. So sure enough, um, uh, you know, uh, the teacher came over and said, Sean, I, I just can't believe you did that. It's one of the greatest moments of my life to see you uh, integrate and show people that they matter and they care. And I just said, well, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I didn't think it was such a big thing to do, to be honest with you. It's because so many of those patterns that play out over your adult life um, have their roots at school, don't they? And the, and schoolyards can be brutal, brutal places, Absolutely. can't they? Absolutely. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine for you, coming from uh, a pretty small community in, in Three Springs and then thrust into a, a melting pot <laughs> yeah. uh, of, of Balga here in, in Perth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, double view, I went to Scarborough first. Scarborough first and then and then to Balga? And to Balga. So. Um, I'm sure you've got some... Um, 
some more experiences to share with us, but we have to take a break, unfortunately. Absolutely. We'll get to them right after this. Fantastic. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are with Sean Nanup in this episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Sean, tell us about what life was like then, you know, as a, as a 15-year-old. You're taken from the, the the relatively small town of Three Springs. I know you had your issues there that you've just described there, but you, you, you know the people that are... Uh, you know, that are coming past and shouting things out of car. You can yeah. go straight to them. Yeah. Um, and you know you know people who know them. Everyone yeah. knows everyone. Football brings us all together. Exactly. <laughs> then you come down to, to Perth. Were the problems then magnified to a scale that kind of made it much more of a challenge for you to deal with? Um, you know, instead of one person, there were 10 people and you didn't know them. Yeah. And there were a lot more kind of, I don't know, different different ethnic groups also kind of absolutely experiencing that that same sort of challenge that goes with being a minority yeah um once i went to double view for the first impact and i guess that was a pretty good thing for me because i got to be close to the ocean and i loved surfing and swimming and yep thrifting had the the, the, the olympic size so I, I was born in the water basically but go, growing up um in belga um in in Scarborough, I thought my backyard was all I could live in because everyone would tell you, oh, you're going to live in your backyard. The city's so scary, you know. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm going to leave this great big oasis and then head to a small little backyard. And that was my life, you know. And I felt really scared about that. That was my biggest thought. But when I got here, I started to understand the rhythm of the city. And I was on buses and riding my bike to the beach every mm. day. And, you know, so I, I, I really made some really good friends in Scarborough again. And and, can I ask? Yeah. Did you did you feel like there was uh, there was more of a of an overt uh, racism in Perth compared to Three Springs? Um, did you feel more of an outsider? Oh yeah, here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a bit more of a of a stance uh, here. So when I um, went to Scarborough, everyone was treating me really softly and nicely. I was like, wow, this is really nice. Yeah. But they were scared of me because right. I had a big family. They all thought, oh, geez, he's got gang family gang, you know. <laughs> And I'm, I remember them talking to my good friend, Shane, who was there. Uh, Shane, yeah. And I said, what do you mean you're, you're scared of my gang, my family? And I'm, he's going, you've got a big gang, man. That's why everyone treats you like, yeah. you know, don't want to mess with, with him. It. And I was like, yeah, I went with it. Yeah, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got this big family, which we do have. And yeah. um, so uh, when I went to Belga, um, that's when, you know, we've, we've got a very high percentage of Aboriginal people in that, in that, in that, in that school and that community. Um, I, I actually felt like I could understand the battles of Aboriginal people because we're all that looking down, all that sense of, you know, that energy. You know, you, you could walk around Belga and you felt like you were the king of the community, that you were the benchmark. And when anyone would bring up any form of, of, of a, um, a, a bad attitude towards Aboriginal people, it was stamped out very quickly, mm. you know. Um, so it, it was it, – I felt safer. Mm. You know, that I could be amongst the mob. And 
But when I went to school, I had all the cordling shirts on and the, and the rip kill and, and billabong. And so I, they didn't really like that in, in, in our school, you know, because we were like, uh, that, that sort of depicted me being in sort of a, a gay sort of tendency. And, I, and obviously I, I, I do not support any separation in that area at all in any way, shape or form. So when I went to school, people were picking on me because I was wearing these colour. Yeah. Know? And, and I, I, being me, I was like, no, I'm, I'm entitled to wear whatever I want, you know? Yeah. And, but I was fighting a lot, you know? Mm. And um, once again, you know, the, there was a lot of bullies at our school and gangs. So what happened at school was happening in our community. There was a number of family members who were very, very, um, uh, very scary in their own right. You know, if you were to upset one of their nephews or nieces, then they were going to be at the front of your house and mm. run through your house. It was just just the way it was. So you mm. had to be very selective if you were going to pick a fight or stand mm. your ground on anything. So, you know, fearing the community, then fearing the Aboriginal people and fearing – it was just a lot of fear about being present and being free-flowing with, with, with life. Mm. Um, so one day this young little boy was um, getting picked on by one of the Aboriginal gang crew and um, I didn't like it. So – he was getting pushed into a tree with his pie and um, he was chubby. And I went over and I pushed the Aboriginal fella to the side and I grabbed the little fella and I said, you're right, brother. I got you, man. And he was like, please help me. And he was just so scared. Mm. And um, I felt that. And I said, you're right. So I said to the Aboriginal fella, stop being a bully, man. What picking on and, and how did that go down? Uh, for, you know, from one... Aboriginal student to another. It wasn't so good. He turned to me and he says, Nana, you and whose army is going to stop me from doing what I want to do? You know what's going to happen. Don't mess with us, bro. And my cousins who were there, they're saying, don't you? We're going to, you know, remember your home, everything, you know, we all get affected, you know, because that's just how it was. Uh, what one did affected many. So we had to be mindful. So we became fearful yeah. for in every aspect. So I ended up um, just saying, no, that's it, mate. I said, I don't like you being a bully. You know, every time you come to school, you're always causing trouble. Everybody's upset. And not just him, but other groups as well. And when he said, you and whose army, the, the Lebanese guy went behind me. Mm. The Italian guy went behind me. Um, uh, uh, the Macedonian. All, all the, you know, mm. ones that were getting bullied and isolated in their own right stepped behind me mm. and said, so you formed a little mini United Nations in there. <laughs> yeah. And and this little kid, he turned around uh, later. Uh, well, anyway, I, he ended up um, attacking me and I and I held him down. And I just said, I don't want to fight you. I just want yeah. you to stop. So there were repercussions. Yeah. So yeah. once we had the little scrap, um, I went straight there to his father's house. And I said, Uncle, we just had a little bit of a situation. I told him what happened. And he said, nobody stepped in? Nope. It was just one-on-one? -on -one? Yep. And when he hit the ground, you didn't kick or boot him? Nope. I said, I just want him to stop being a bully and all the other boys and girls that were bullying. Mm. And he says, okay, go home, tell your mum and dad everything's okay and I'll deal with this. So when we got back to school, you know, all night I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, there's going to be people coming to our house. Yeah. <laughs> no one did, thank goodness. And when I got to the school, we were in the quadrangle and everyone's, you know, the energy of it was like when Sean and him get to school, there's going to be round two. You mm -hmm. know? Mm. So when I went up there and I, and I could see him and everyone was just rounding, waiting for the fight, uh, he put his hand out and he said, I'm sorry. Mm. I said, you're sorry, bro? Why? Mm. He says, dad told me, you know, fair's fair and let it go. We're all good. We're all good. 
I said, wow, the whole school changed. Mm. And it was so beautiful. Um, what happened was when I was around near the basketball courts there, you know, me and a few of the other crew uh, were just chilling out and these kids that had notes, the kids that never came to school, they would come and the teachers would say, Sean, is it okay for, um, for these people to sit with you and feel safe? I said, yeah, of course, man, <laughs> absolutely. And the little fella that was getting picked on the next day, he was just walking around, we're in the NAMP gang. <laughs> and I'm like going, no, no, there's no NAMP gang. There's just, you know, brothers, you know, we're all brothers and family. We look after each other. And I just, in that moment, in that day, um, you know, I had, I've got so many beautiful, cultural, loving brothers and sisters. I Very fortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in my life journey, I, I, I have let a lot of people down. And, um, and, and I can say that, you know, from my heart that this was not me. It was just a, a journey that I was on to find my centre and and, and my, I'm doing everything I can now through Wisdom in Your Life, yep. which is me and Rosalind Snyder yep. and my uncles and aunties to build a beautiful place where people can feel as though they're connected. I want to talk to you more about uh, Wisdom in Your Life after uh, this next break coming oh. up. Can I just ask you quickly though, um, this martial arts... <laughs> training opportunity that you yeah. had with the person who was training the, the tactical response group. Yep. How on earth does that come about? Well, he, he um, yeah, once again, Michael. So yeah. uh, he connected through uh, his brother. So, so how old were you when you started learning? I was about eight, 17. Okay. 18, yeah, just before I finished high school. Yeah. So, we were, yeah, I, I had one year back when I shifted from Scarborough to Belga. Um, but that was the pinnacle of teachings uh, once again, I wasn't aware of the great teachings until that tree appeared. Yeah. And the teachings of him all yeah. of a sudden just flooded into my brain. What a great teacher. Yeah. So learning to do mixed martial arts where you don't want to hurt people, you want to protect and serve. Yeah. That yeah. was our teaching there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get to uh, your wisdom in your life uh, right after the break, Sean. Thank, Thank you. you. For, thank you for clearing that up. Don't... Don't mess with Sean that up. Oh, no, I'm no, an old man now. <laughs> love, love and love. <laughs> this is uh, Inspiring Stories thanks to Baron O'Day. Back with more soon. You're listening to another Inspiring Story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Indigenous leader Sean Nanup is our special guest in this episode. Sean, I want to ask you about your venture uh, that is a big part of your life uh, at the at the moment. Uh, shortly, wisdom in your life. Um, but before we get to that, can I ask you know, in, in your opinion, how are we how are we going? Uh, you, you've you've spoken about some of your own experiences uh, as a as a kid, so we're mm-hmm. talking you know a few a few decades ago. Yep. Um, how have we gone throughout at least the, the passage of your life? Have things improved oh. or have they just changed? Yeah, once you once love is is and and um, understanding and compassion is your is part of you. You look for it, mm. and and I have to say that it, it's there. There is a, there's a genuine want and need to be connected, and uh, I, I think. I think right now there's a, there's, we have an opportunity to come together and, and show that, you know, when Adam Good stands up to this, when Nikki Winmar stands up, when we have leaders in our communities who 
who who who are in the eye of the community. And now we have you know uh, Uncle Ken White and Ben White, you know, in in positions within government. I think we're starting to see that there is a place for us all. Mm. And if we can if we can start to you know look for the positive. Yes, we've got a big job to do. Yes, definitely, um, I believe there is a is now a voice at the tables that uh, that are speaking for change. Um, but I have to say, it it it, it it's, it's going to take a long time to see any major growth when it comes to the history and the and the future generations. Um, you know, sorry days come, Kevin Rudd. Um, you know, we've got NAIDOC week. I believe there is. If you look for some positive, those are the things that we're looking at, where it brings people together, making makes a lot of people accountable. I'm a Collingwood supporter. <laughs> I can't do get anything out. but talk. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and when we have you know Eddie, uh, you know, saying things that really hurt Adam Goods, mm. um, that's a responsibility for him now to speak in his own right about how to shift. You know, if he, if Eddie Maguire turns and says, you know what, um, I'm going to utilize those moments to 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 show the community that we're we're learning and we're embracing, then I think that's that's a time. That yep. we can really say, you know what, we're making a difference, and I'm not just saying Eddie Maguire. Don't let me, don't mm. get me wrong. I'm saying all, all the people in our community are uh, what we do for the small, we do for the big, and yep. what we do for the big, we do for the small. So, uh, just as as a as a talking point, I think it's important to show leadership, and um, when the opportunities arise, I, I certainly hope people take that on and say I can make a difference. And for you personally, do you experience more moments uh, of of racism where you're made to feel different do you feel do you experience more of those moments now yes than when you were a young lad it hasn't really shifted to be honest with you right you know yeah are they it's, more subtle now or i think so more Im- embedded in the psyche of, of people oh yes i think it's more subtle you know the the, the energy is still there um because I've, I've noticed that you know you're not then people aren't walking down the street going they're getting a pulpit trigger mm. people are not saying elbow or coon or or anything like that to, to really separate us, you know. That we're not seeing that, but the subtleness of the the discrimination is is it really is a lot heavier than them saying it directly. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I just have to you know uh, take a deep breath every time I hear a, a news reporter or or a, or a um, uh, a person who wants to put their personal understandings around the the social issues that we see today. Uh, and they just say something on the news and it, and it goes into the ears of so many. And that moments are the moments when I feel as though that for me, I've got another whole job to do to try to come to terms with what was said and, and be a voice to balance that out. Mm. The amount of times I have a conversation with people, oh, did you hear that news reporter say that? Or did you hear that leader say that? Or did you hear that community person say that? And you're like, yes. Uh, what, what do you think, Sean? Oh, goodness gracious. Where do I start? Where, yeah, where do I start? <laughs> and this sense of energy just spreads. And, yeah. and we sort of see, you know, sometimes that subtleness come out because someone else said it and yeah. it's okay. It's come from a place of, of ignorance and it's on the back of just this, this relentless campaign of fear. Yeah. Yeah. So in the work that we do, we've got to go through a process of acknowledging, expressing and letting go. Well, tell us about wisdom in your life, which is uh, not just me throwing out a lovely phrase there. This is your, this is your business. Yes. Yeah. So uh, wisdom in your life um, is, a, is a 
beautiful organisation. Uh, uh, well, well, the start off was Rosalind Snyder. She's been connected to Aboriginal people right through her journey. And uh, it's been just a lovely way to see such a beautiful connection grow. Uh, as she was uh, a young girl, she dreamt this on the rocks out at uh, Gamaling near York. And um, when she dreamt this beautiful way of connecting as a young girl, it was, it was just sort of a seed that was just planted. And then when she went through a psychological degree, uh, they went through hypnosis and she did eight years of psychology, read 700 books from the front to the back. When it comes to any form of, of healing, um, trust me, yeah. she's an amazing um, person of knowledge. Um, but uh, when she had the knowledge, she understood there was more to healing and understanding the body and the psyche. She's a scientist in her own right. Yep. Um, she's a mathematician. So there's only three people in the world that really understand her mathematics. So if you're going to go and sit with her in any shape or field uh, when it comes to psychology, mathematics or, or science, well, I've, I hope you're prepared because <laughs> she's an amazing person. And, and I'm just so gifted with, with you know, Glenn Miller, um, you know, Rosen Snyder, um, Noel Nanup, just as an example. But the two greatest people that I have learned from is my mother and my father, mm. you know, Irene Nanup and my dad, Lewis Nanup. And as you can see, I'm getting a bit emotional <laughs> And that's okay. Men it's, men, it's okay to be emotional. As long as we're able to acknowledge, express and let go, which is what the wisdom of Rosalind Snyder has been able to implement into my life. And uh, as I started to acknowledge things, I had to let go of things that don't serve me. And uh, once I did that, I was able to then give it to the river, give it to the earth, give it to the wind. As we did in our cultural movements, um, Rosalind, you know, when she, when she went through a hypnosis, she learnt, to go back in time to gain some of those subconscious, uh, very subtle learnings, which is what I went through, which mm. my uncles went through, my aunties. Bring it now, and how do we transform that? And she would. She went to my uncle Frank down up in um, Mandra, and uh, she walked in and said, oh, "I've been told this is a spiritual thing, because all my teachings and everything that I've done doesn't able to explain why I'm having these visions and dreams." And when she drew it on the board, um. My uncle, in, with tears in his eyes, said, uh, for a girl so young, you've got so much wisdom in your life. And that's where our name came from. Right. And uh, she then uh, it just locked in. And uh, then she had the permission to go around to help and heal our people. Our first map that she'd, she'd done was our first step of connection to self. Then, then we have another thing. is The first map is called Map of Loss, which is finding your way to your centre. And then... We go external, and the the compass is designed to give us a way to be able to forge a path forward that allows us to be connected and united internally, then externally. Yep. So, wisdom in your life is a is a beautiful place to have uh, an intimate conversation with oneself. Which I dare say, a few people need to do. Absolutely, and mm. we'd love to hear from have you. Have a obviously. word with yourself, because <laughs> <laughs> we we do know that these challenges that we know are out there, can be confronting. Once you gain that sense of awareness, you then have a responsibility and a duty to honour that. Yeah. And um, if you could imagine shifting and changing one thing within a government or a, 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 a corporate company or a community or whatever area you're talking about, when you affect one area, you affect so many. And yep. people hopefully will, will take that challenge on and say, you know what, I, I need to do this. It's the right thing to do. If you want any more info, wisdominyourlife.com.au. 
uh, go and have a look and certainly keep an eye out for uh, Sean Nanup. And if you're lucky enough to see one of his uh, welcomes to country, then you're in for an absolute treat. Sean Nanup, it's been great having you in here sharing your story. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. It's been an honour. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories once again here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell. Uh, This one, as always, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time for another episode of Inspiring Stories. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.